All right, here we are live with episode number 40. Probably probably the last one for the year 2017. We'll see. Maybe I'll sneak another one in. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but really, as always, excited and happy to bring another episode to the table. And super excited for the guest today. It's my old friend, Charlie Holiday. Say hello. <laughs> hello. How are you? I'm good, man. And when I say old, I don't mean because you're older than me. I'd say uh. old because we go back, what, 2012, probably? Yep. Yeah. And I was thinking before uh, you came over, like when the last time I actually saw you was, uh, and it was probably when you were jumping off the side of a building. It might, it might have <laughs> been that. It might have been that. Yeah, it was a tons of fun. It was <laughs> incredible. Doing it again next year. So. Are you really? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. we get a bunch of people to do it as well. So. If... Is that part of one of your memory tracks, by the way? It's not. It's well, not actually, but since it it's is not, a fantastic memory. Since it's not, can you share the story of kind of the origin behind you jumping off of a building? Because it's so insane and awesome, and I love it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, so I do a lot with uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation uh, here in Austin, Texas. Uh, my son actually uh, has cystic fibrosis and was able to get a wish from Make-A-Wish. And so as part of that process, um, I got really involved with the organization. And they have an event every year called Over the Edge, uh, where you literally go uh, rappel 500 feet off the side <laughs> of the W Austin, um, which was, you know, an amazing experience. They use it, um, you know, to, to get people to overcome fears, to build awareness, and obviously to raise money for the cause. And yeah. so um, I was able to, uh, with my friend Rachel Seidenberg, uh, raise about $10,000 last year for awesome. uh, between the two of us. So That's really it's awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, I biked over there and, and caught you guys when you were going over the edge, and it was so cool. I was terrified for you and also jealous. <laughs> 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 Looks like a lot of fun. It is. Um, it is. And Rachel, of course, is uh, is a as an alumni of the podcast, so she's uh, her episode was fantastic, and always excited to bring on more people through that through the crowd. Um, so super happy to have you here. And um, man, yeah, that's <laughs> that's such a cool cool thing that you're involved with. And ten thousand dollars is a lot of money to raise. Yeah, it's we're, pretty impressive. We're gonna get we're gonna get more next year yeah. for sure. Do so. you have a goal in mind? Uh, I got twenty thousand in okay. mind, and uh, we'll do it with friends and family, and hopefully yeah. one company will either adopt a wish or just participate as a sponsor. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, hold me accountable to promoting you raising money when it comes around. Okay. For all the listeners that are listening, this is your call. Make <laughs> sure you give at least five dollars to the Make a Wish Foundation yep. through Charlie next year at the Over the Edge competition. Thank you very little much. little promo. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Fantastic. Yeah, I, I always say that I don't do this podcast to make money, of course. and um, But one of the key elements I feel like that is different from my podcast and other people's that are more legitimate is I don't go through and promote things that my guests come on. And I'm like, you know what? We should always be promoting ourselves. So I hope you don't mind that I did that for you but um, not at all thanks <laughs> so much no it's an awesome it's an awesome cause and super super inspiring to hear about so um but really excited for your songs um they're good really good selections and all bands that i know two of them are from different stevies we'll see if you can guess which stevies they'll be i don't know maybe it's obvious maybe it's not but um you've you know we connected through work, of course, but also somebody that I've connected with musically. And, um, you know, you've, you play music, you've come and supported my band and seen us play before and are always so enthusiastic to talk about music and new things that you're listening to or things that you enjoyed. And so I think it's always fun, um, to have these conversations when we have that, that link. Um, and, uh, I can't wait to hear more about it. Cause I, yeah. you know, I don't know how much I know about your, your background and all that. So, uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to learning more about Charlie. Um, but before we get started, any, any, uh, anything you, you want to add? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we were talking a little bit before we got started. I mean, um, you know, this was a, a really challenging exercise <laughs> in, in the best possible way, right. From a self-reflection standpoint, from yeah. a, like, you know, what inspires you and, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, the moments that you remember just by going through it. So, uh, you know, just, I was a little surprised with kind of how things came out, but I'm, I'm really, you know, um, uh, fantastic choices. I'm, I'm psyched. There's a lot of good stuff there that we can, we can. Awesome. 
Do you think that if, well, you might not know yet, but I'd be curious. Text me tomorrow yeah. if you're like, oh, man, I wish I'd picked that other one. Yeah. I have some guests that will say that. They're like, oh, if you had asked me last week, it probably would have been this one or that. But well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I imagine just kind of going through this, there's going to be probably a few of those. Yeah, right? you can so always I mean, sneak them in. They, sneak all them the in. guests do. Yeah, yeah. I, try to, I try to tell them in advance not to rely on that. But, you know, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see where we go. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, with that, let's, uh, let's kick it off. And it's the first of the two Stevies, but it's the, uh, the legendary Stevie Wonder. And the song is For Once in My Life. Here we go. For once in my life, I have someone who needs me, someone I've needed so long. For once unafraid, I can go where life leads me, somehow I know I What my heart used to dream of Long before I do Oh, someone warm like you Would make my dream come true Yeah, yeah, yeah For once in my life I won't let sorrow hurt me Not like it's hurt me before For once I have something I know won't desert me I'm not alone anymore Oh, once I can see This is mine, you can't take it As long as I know I have love I can make it For once in my life I have someone who needs me Stevie Wonder for once in my life. And of course the great James Jamerson on bass. That bass though. <laughs> oh man. I'm gonna I'll have to remix this to make sure that I bump the bass levels up when uh when it comes out on the recording. <laughs> so smooth. So smooth. Oh yeah. Fantastic song. Yeah. Fantastic song. Yeah, I mean that <clears throat> so I grew up in Detroit. Right. I didn't so, know that. Mm-hmm. So oh. I mean you know, Motor City. Yeah, Motor City. Um, you know, and it's just it's it's just a, a city that's full of music. And I think in my house particularly, like my dad was really into music. And so, you know, in going through kind of this this process and thinking through, I mean, my my earliest memory of listening to a record is that song right there. So really? I had a um a little brown and orange Fisher Price mm-hmm. record player, you know, seventies, just, classic, you know, yeah. just, <laughs> you know, plastic and right. clunky and, <clears throat> and all that. And, um, I had this, uh, I had this 45 of that song and I would listen to that song just over and over and over again. And, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I still have, I still have the record case, um, where I had all of these other things and, you know, it's different now when you think about records, right? I mean, it's like records have kind of come back, but as a kid, right? I mean, I had records and yeah. I had tapes and I had other right, things. Right. And so, you know, when I look back and I look at some of the records that I was able to listen to partially because of my dad and then just 
even funny things. Like I have these, you know, electric company, Spider-Man, you know, like what you would watch on TV uh, during Sesame Street or something like that. Like they would press that stuff to vinyl and yeah. you listen to like Superman stories or Spider-Man <laughs> stories, awesome. right? And, and so, but, you know, when thinking back and, and, and listening to like really when, you know, I'd just kind of be alone, you know, listening to music in my room, like that, that 45, just, I would listen to it all the time. And, yeah. um, you know, everybody that was, was it your dad's 45 that you just it took was out my, his collection? It, well, so it's <laughs> funny because there's, there's a number of those things that, um, it, it, it was his, I didn't buy it, but it's just, you know, things kind of land right, right in your possession, right. Whether I took it and I just put it on right. there or he gave it to me. Um, you know, but just, you know, there's a lot of songs that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, you kind of get, you know, choked up or you kind of get mm-hmm. emotional. I mean, every time I hear that song and especially that harmonica solo, yeah. like it's literally, I just, get I get all kind of goosebumps and yeah. it's like, you know, in a happy kind of way. Yeah. Um, but you know, I just, I remember, you know, that song is one I still listen to all the time. You know, there's a few not as part of this that are kind of, if you can count them on one hand, yeah. you know, and, and that's, they'll always stand that's one of them. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Like with the goosebumps effect, how it's like a very, it, Whenever you have that, it's always like a very specific part in a song. Yeah. And it's usually like some really random thing. Like I'm sure for you, it's not even just the harmonica part. Yeah. There's probably like one note in there that yeah. like really sets it off. And you know it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Like it's just yeah. you feel kind of the build and you're like, man, like every time. And, well, each know. time you're kind of like, maybe I won't get them this time. Maybe it's finally worn off. Oh, yeah. nope. There it goes. Oh, there it is. <laughs> That's it. There it is. Yeah. yeah. No, I love that. Uh, I mean, Stevie Wonder, I feel like is such an artist that created so many songs like that um in that time for sure i mean i never had one of the little the fisher price or uh record players but i do remember seeing them at my grandparents house and then they had like little plastic records too that would come with them and stuff yeah so that you could like play with them and kids wouldn't mess them up um and still playing but man that song like you're talking about james jamerson and uh he's the bass player that played with the uh the Funk Brothers for Motown's backing band. I think he is the, uh, he has, he's played on the most number one hit songs of any musician ever, including like the Beatles or something. Really? He played on like 90% of all Motown songs. Um, And like as a bassist, he's just such like an icon for, you know, uh, probably the least attractive uh, <laughs> instrument you can play. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that what's really special about that song to me as a bassist is uh, it's so, um, you know, he, well, really in general, all of his songs, but he has that style where like he never plays the same lick twice throughout the whole thing it's just almost it feels like completely improv it's like riffing the whole time yeah you know, there's like you got the foundation but right like you just go around yeah, it in certain and areas. It, yeah in a way that like you you expect like in a you know a guitar solo segment but it's like the bass and it's the driving force between the behind the entire song it's wild man yeah. I, like there's a, a great story about him where he um for what's going on by marvin gay he have you heard this this no the story so he um when they were recording what's going on i think i don't know if it's barry gordy or mervyn gay himself or whatever they're like oh we, you know it was his day off uh, so james um, james wasn't playing and they were like man whoever was playing in his place um might have been like bob babbitt or somebody but they were like yeah let's just play it like james would play it. no one could do it. it's like well where's james i gotta go find him <laughs> well usually on his day off he just like goes down like and drinks at the bar down the street so they went in and like sure enough he was in there um but he was already like pretty trashed and they like dragged him out of the bar into the studio he like can't even stand up and supposedly who knows how much of this is true what the legend is is like he recorded the bass the entire bass track of what's going on laying down on the floor on his back oh my god just resting (laughs) on his belly in like one take and I think he had like heard the song maybe like three times beforehand and I mean it's like one of the most iconic bass lines and yeah. I mean this this song in particular is such like a such like a window into to that style that Motown I mean it's a textbook example of all things that comes out of Stevie's catalog and Motown in general yeah so good and I mean I think you know Stevie obviously genius himself but mm-hmm. I think one of the things you know is you know, just I've kind of gone through, you know, my musical 
yeah. journey, right? I mean, you know, I've always been a huge fan of production too. And I mean, you listen to those songs and it's just like, you know, there's a lot going on, but there's, there's not a ton of layers. It's yeah. super clean. It's yeah. super crisp. It's spot on. And you know, you just, it's a good song. Like, you yeah. know, I mean, as much as I like all kinds of other types of genres of music, like, you know, you can't, you can't deny, you can't deny a solid yeah. song. Right. So it's just pop glory. Yeah. Did, um, so was your dad from Detroit as well? So my dad parents? is actually from Canada. Okay. Um, so, um, so Detroit and Windsor, are like right across the river from each other. So, okay. um, you know, it's, so he just crossed over at some point, never looked back. Yeah, no, he, um, so it was interesting. So he was, he was born in Windsor. Um, he actually, um, moved to the States, um, with my grandmother and, um, and actually got naturalized. So he became a U.S. citizen, um, cool. and it was in the Navy and stuff too. So, I mean, it was like one of those things where, you know, he, became full on, yeah, you know, American. American and yeah. I mean, just, you know, growing up I and mean, he was like best country in the world. I mean, he had very strong beliefs about that. Um, yeah. whereas my aunt, uh, and my grandmother, they remain Canadian citizens yeah. and, um, it's all good. I mean, that, that's the thing I actually really enjoyed about Detroit in general is, um, especially in light of everything now is, right. I mean, you know, we, you could go back and forth between the U S and Canada. No problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, we used to go over to bars, you know, cause you could drink at 19 and then come back. Right. You know, this, I mean, there was, you know, there's, you know, all kinds of fun stuff you could do in Canada, but, um, but it was very just, you know, a lot of people that, you know, lived in Canada, worked in Detroit, a lot right. of people that lived in Detroit, went over and, you know, hung out in Canada. So, huh. um, but yeah, he, he came over and, uh, you know, born in Canada, but lived in Detroit and then, yeah you know, spent most of his life there. So would he have been around an age where the Motown boom was like something he got to experience or, um, yeah. So he was born in 45. So, I mean, Motown's like sixties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been 20, yeah. you know, so yeah, 15, 20. Yeah. yeah. Lucky yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> seriously, I mean, just to kind of be part of that would be, would totally. have been awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. I still have never been to Detroit, but really, yeah, I feel like I, it's a pilgrimage that needs to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's funny too, because, you know, Detroit is, it's kind of like Houston, mm-hmm. right. In the sense that it's just, it's so spread out yeah. and, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, you know, the downtown for a long time was totally dead and now yeah. it's been revitalized kind of in a bunch of different reasons. Um, you know, but a lot of people kind of left the city and yeah. now you've got, you know, um, you've got people that are like, you know, we're going to own the city again. We're going to like, you know, right. do all these amazing artistic things. We're going to, you know, build new businesses. We're going to just kind of yeah. bring it back. And so it's going to take, you know, it's going to take, take 20 years, yeah. you know, or so, but, but I it think has it's the got, bones, right? It does. Like the, it, it's a real city infrastructure, which is something that we don't have here. Yeah. That it's much easier to change. <clears throat> I feel like that if you've got that late, then for us, where we're kind of stuck. Yeah. But, and it, it's also, there's this, you know, I mean, just kind of talking about Motown in mid-century too, right? I mean, there's there's amazing design, you know, there's yeah. amazing architecture, there's, you know... I mean, history and culture, just, and, yeah. There's a ton there. So, I mean, luckily, a lot of it is still there. It just needs to be rejuvenated a little yeah. bit. And hopefully in, like, a respectful yeah. respectful way, but yeah. make sure there's room for all of that history in there. Totally. That's cool. Well, it's on my list. All right, yeah. should check it out. Should we go to the next one? Yeah, Absolutely. All right, this is a fun one, different pace. <laughs> Definitely different. Pace. Not another Stevie. There's, there might be a Stevie in this band. I don't know. Not the main ones, though. Yeah. There's um, a Steve in. Okay, yeah. yeah but probably I, but I didn't even, <laughs> until you said that, I didn't think about it, so. Um, so the song is called Shell Shock, and it's by the band New Order.
Shell Shock by New Order. That's a good song. It is a good song. Very 80s. Very 80s. In yeah. all the great ways. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that... Um, so it's funny, I've, I've always... Well, I always thought I was a New Order fan, but when I really went through and kind of like thought through, you know, some of these things, mm-hmm. I, I realized, you know, with that particular song in general, um, you know listening to things with frequency um i had actually the pretty in pink soundtrack yeah. on vinyl um nice. and i remember buying it do you it. still have that i i don't oh, and that's the thing. there's and that's a set we could have to do a whole different episode <laughs> on just like records i wish i still oh, had no. so um i write that down to yeah at the end. yeah <laughs> um but um yeah so there um there was a record store in ferndale which is just inside Detroit, so it's uh, I'm sorry, just outside Detroit because Eight Mile is, you know, as everybody knows, <laughs> Eight Mile is kind of <laughs> like the the border, right? So I think it was called Sam's Jams. It was in Ferndale. Uh, it was like Nine Mile and something rather. And I remember, um, so my my uncle Kevin uh, took me to this record store, and he he and my dad both were very um, big music fans mm-hmm. and so you know i think about my dad i think about you know kind of like at home stuff he would play at home right and then i would think about my uncle who's more like kind of a big brother he's you know 10 15 years older than me yeah um he's probably older but you know <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it, it, it had that he had that feel right so i mean you know he would always take me you know to record stores he would you know spend the you know weekend at his his house we hang out and stuff like that he'd always introduce me to new music and i remember yeah. him taking me to this record store um and at that time that movie was out and i'm like oh i'm gonna buy this record you know it's the soundtrack in the movie and if you look at the record i mean as just kind of like a a list of bands that were like hot at the time i mean yeah. it's like you know it's like psychedelic first echo and the bunnyman the smiths i mean like you know new order yeah. it's There's just all like a roll call of amazing awesome you know bands for the time or at right. least that were relevant at the time and um you know similar to to the stevie wonder thing right i just i i listened to it beginning to end i really kind of gravitated toward you know that that new order song and i hadn't really heard them before or at least mm-hmm. i didn't think i had and just kind of thinking about it, you know, as, as, as part of kind of going through some of this stuff, I realized it was, it kind of was the first song where I, I realized like music could be synthetic. Mm, right. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know this, I mean, I, I like production. I, I like kind of all that stuff that goes right. into making music the way it is. And so it was really kind of like this point where I was like, wow, like, you know, in the beginning of that song, it's like, it's so synth. I mean, it's like totally a computer or a sample or something. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I realized at that point, I'm like, wow, I kind of dig that. And I kind of dug a little deeper and dug a little deeper. And it's, it's, I surprised myself with it being the song that it is. But if you think about it, like, I realized that, you know, there was music that obviously came before that. And so it kind of led me to look into Joy Division and like Cure and like all these kind of things that like kind of came before it, or at least, you know, and even, I mean, there's reggae, there's all kinds of stuff with New Order that, you know, is influences there. But, um, and then, you know, kind of driving for the types of things that I might like, right? So, I mean, just you look at early ministry, you look at Nine Inch Nails, you mm-hmm. look at those kind of things that, you know, really totally synthetic, synthetic, you know, had very, you know, specific points. And so yeah. 
you know, I just, again, I kind of remember listening to the song over and over again and just, you know, kind of looking back at kind of the things that, you know, I like, I mean, it actually influenced quite a, quite a bit. Yeah. Did, uh, did you see the movie? Pretty in Pink? Yeah. Oh, tons. So you loved the movie too. It wasn't just I, the soundtrack. No, no, no. I liked the movie. It, you know, what's funny is in, in that, that time period too, with all those movies, I mean, it's like John um, Hughes, right? Yeah. John Hughes. So, I mean, they're not inappropriate, right? Yeah. I mean, at all, but yeah. like, I mean, I was trying to think, I mean, 10, 11. I mean, I was like, you know, <laughs> young. Right. And I just remember like, you know, like I wasn't watching those with my family. Right. right? I mean, I was like, you know, I saw it at the friends or I, I think I actually, I think I actually saw it. There, there was a period of time where I was, um, I went to the school that I had to go stay at somebody's house after school. Yeah. It was like a babysitter, but I was way too old for a babysitter. Right. And, but right. you know, she had HBO and you know, me and her, her son, when I mean, we just watched whatever was on HBO yeah. and like those kind of movies were like, on oh, all the yeah, time, okay. Red Dawn, you know, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. So yeah, yeah, I saw that yeah. a bunch. So I actually have never seen that movie. Really? Yeah, I know. And I was looking at the uh, track list of the soundtrack and I was like, oh yeah, I would love this movie. And I saw like one of the characters works in a record store. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So, I mean, that sounds, yeah. It sounds You've seen like, The Breakfast Club, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I've oh, yeah. seen that. Um, so. Yeah, I know for whatever reason, I've just, it's, I've, obviously I know Pretty in Pink, but I've just never actually seen it myself. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's now on my list for sure. Um, but yeah, that, so how many of those other bands, like, did you learn about through that soundtrack? Um, I mean, most of them, I, I'll say, you know, it's, I mean, The Smiths for mm-hmm. sure, Psychedelic Furs for sure, um, Suzanne Vega is funny because like that song, I think it's called left of center. That huh. song is actually a really good song, but I wouldn't say I'd like Suzanne Vega. Right. As a, but that one, that song spot, is way yeah. better than, you know, like whatever song she's made popular. Yeah. Since. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it really was kind of a, for that point in time, I think a discovery album. And, you know, I think that the one thing, I mean, new order, particularly, I mean, I, Joy Division, I love. New Order, I love. And I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, has kind of come forth from that, right, is like, I mean, I've always liked that band and, you know, I'd never seen them live, you know, for a lot of reasons, right? I mean, obviously, you know, they don't tour a lot uh, and stuff. And they still are like, there's like the Peter Hook versus the non-Peter Hook, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, but I I did get to see them eventually at some point. and And, you know, like many bands that tour, you know, they all have their moment yeah. <laughs> where they should stop. Yeah. Um, they were actually still really good. I've heard, I've heard really good things about the, I think they came to those like two or three years ago. They yeah. played maybe like Austin Music Hall or something. Yeah. And now I, I remember hearing a lot about that show and regretting not going. Yeah. Like, it sounds like they have a really cool light show and they still do it well and yeah. everything. And, and even, I mean, Peter Hook is, you know, bailed, but I mean, I've yeah. seen him play he, the first two Joy Division song uh, uh-huh. albums like back to oh, back. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. And, yeah. It, it's kind of, you can take the best of both and then, you know, it's yeah. basically seeing New Order. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh it's a cool band. It, it's a band that like, I kind of go back and forth with of like, loving what I hear from them, but like not connecting on albums outside of power corruption lies. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. One, one day it's going to probably be a soundtrack for me for sure. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're textbook pop, no matter yeah. how you look at it. I mean, early stuff obviously is a little darker, but yeah, it's uh still good stuff. Yeah. They're, they're good. They definitely were a big piece of that 80s sound. Yeah. That John Hughes soundtrack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing. Like what good taste he had and yeah. like how he shaped like probably everybody's memory tracks. <laughs> so if, you know, in this, From in this era. age of, of nostalgia for, I mean, there's all yeah. these remakes and stuff. Right. Who would be on this, the pretty pink soundtrack now? Oh man. That's Lana Del Rey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Taylor Swift. Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. I think that would be a good, like little blog post. Somebody should write. Yeah. <laughs> Buzzfeeds. Exactly. Pretty in pink 2018. Yeah. Who would it be? <laughs> oh man. That's funny. That's <laughs> despicable to think about. Mm-hmm. But they should just re-release it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, should we go to the, the grand finale? Sure. Absolutely. Um, 
this is the last Stevie. <laughs> um, and uh, the song is called A Voodoo Child Slight Return, and it's by Stevie Ray Vaughan. And for those that keep up with the Spotify playlist, it's actually only on YouTube. But I did add an alternate version on the Spotify playlist, which we won't be listening to. And but. you can buy a videotape as well. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Good to know. All right, here we go.
Child, Slight Return by Stevie Ray Vaughan, specifically from live at the, it's funny, I just said the, because that's what the uh, YouTube video says, but it's at El Mocampo. El Mocampo. So it's not the, the Mocampo, but El Mocampo. Um, man. Okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to hold back from anything that I'm going to comment on this, because I want to hear, I want to hear yours. So, yeah, so basically, uh, so Elmo Combo is a bar in uh, Toronto. Um, and, you know, kind of going back and thinking about, you know, just kind of like pivotal types of musical experiences that I've had. And unfortunately, I was not at this show. But this this particular song is from a concert film, uh, live at the El, at Elmo Combo, um, that actually I, I watched with my dad after I had gone to Toronto with him on this trip. Um, so how old? Would you have been? I was in high school. Okay. I was in high school. So I was already playing guitar, right? I was already playing a little bit of bass. Um, you know, a uh, lot of, you know, a lot of classic rock at right. that point, right? right? You know, some Metallica, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, um, oh, that first time you nail Master of Puppets oh, on a guitar, yeah. you're like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I, I just, I remember I went, uh, I went to Toronto for this trip. So it was, um, I was in high school. I was probably getting close to going to going to college. And the thing about Detroit is, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to do, but it wasn't particularly safe in a lot of places, right? Even though I got to see some amazing shows. I mean, it was always kind of like a headache to to go to places. How late are you going to be out? And so your alternative was Chicago, which is an awesome city, Um, but it's you know six seven hours away depending on. And Toronto is you know, four to five, depending on how you drive. (laughs) Um, you know, and so, you know, I think, um, I think my dad wanted me to go check out a city with him, just kind of like, you know, just like a trip, you know, just us. And, um, and so one of the things I remembered about that trip, um, is like, we went, we had an amazing time. We came back and, you know, we always kind of listen to music and stuff. And this, this video was one that, you know, he basically had picked up at like Blockbuster or whatever the yeah. Hollywood video, whatever the video store was in our town. Um, but the, you know, Toronto as a whole was like a really cool city, yeah. you know? And I think in a lot of ways, um, you know, you have to have those experiences, right? Like, you should go see a bunch of colleges when you're young because, yeah. you know, you're kind of enamored yeah, by, like, it's a bigger world. thing. There's all these things, you know, same thing with cities, right? You should go check out a bunch of cities and, you know, have that experience so that you know that there's something else out there. And I just remember, um, you know, going through Toronto, you know, they had this very, it was in the summertime, they had this really cool system, which, frankly, Austin should think about doing. But um, where they, like, would audition bands for the city hmm. and they would, like, dole out real estate. Like, like you'd get like sixth in Congress, like, you know, they'd have like a citywide like talent show and like you basically had a slot from 12 to two or something right every day where, you you know, your band could play like outside. And so they had all these like amazing bands. You know, they're actually doing this. They just like two weeks ago, there's a new development that is going to have an outdoor performance space and they're going to pay 150 bucks per musician in the band, not just per band, each person in the band, like. I have mixed thoughts about it, but it's cool and it's it's definitely along the lines of what you're talking about. Yeah, so but it, it's, it's like it's getting it's getting music across the city in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. And so, um, so so this particular song for me, like after having that experience and then coming back and like watching this video, I was like, damn, you know. I mean, obviously Steve Ray Vaughan is amazing, and at that time, I mean, nobody, I didn't know where he was, right? And coming yeah. to Michigan, I'm like, who is this guy? Right. You know, and so to see this and just like see it for the first time and he's you know he's playing jimmy song right so i mean it's just like okay amazing 
um, it just stuck with me. Yeah. It stuck with me, you know, in, in a bunch of ways. I mean, it's, it's inspirational in the sense that like, you know, damn, I got to learn to play guitar better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, you, you know, and, and for those listening, you can't see well, you can, if we share the link, but I mean, you see the way that he plays it. It's just, I mean, pure mastery of the instrument, total emotion. Yeah. And you know, you're like, you're a better person after watching it at the end of the day, right? You're like, I got to experience that. Yeah. And so this particular song for me, I mean, it's, it's one that, you know, people have heard a bunch of different ways by a def- bunch of different people, but right. this particular version just kind of elicits that response from like, you know, yeah. God damn. It's, <laughs> it's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's cool too to have it connected with like the adventure of going to a new, very different place, city, country. Yeah. Uh, with your dad and having yeah. that bonding experience, especially yeah. at that age where it's like, at that point, your dad knows you're a free-thinking adult yeah. that, that, that can see shit like this. and Yeah. And, it, you yeah. know, I mean, frankly, just, I mean, if you, you know, kind of put it in perspective, I mean, Toronto, too, is, is an awesome town. I haven't been back in a really, really long time. But, yeah. you know, like, you know, shortly afterwards, or at least a few years afterwards, I went to college. You know, I ended up seeing an amazing show in Toronto with some friends of mine, which I don't think many people will get to see. But, I mean, it was... Neil Young, uh, with Booker T and the MGs as his backing band, <laughs> Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and Blues Traveler, all in one show. Wow! And yeah. I mean, they all jammed together. They, yeah. you know, just had an amazing, you yeah. know, musical thing. And so, kind of bringing it back to Toronto, like I wouldn't have known, like, hey, let, you know, this is a place. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go to Toronto, right? You know, to go see a show. Right. Um, but I'm glad I did. And this, you know, this song was definitely one of those things that I just connected the yeah. dots and. That's really cool. Yeah. Man, so I had kind of, this is, so to be to be perfectly honest, this song might have been one of my memory tracks. Oh, really? Um, which is great because now I don't have to waste a space. Because <laughs> <laughs> I get to share mine because it's my fucking podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, and I won't go into like t- full detail with it, but, you know, for me, like this song is it's not a song that I listen to hardly at all anymore. Um, but for, for me, it was Jimmy. Like, uh, I, I came to love Steve Ray Vaughan through loving Jimi Hendrix, yeah. but Jimmy was always the one. And of course this is Jimmy's song originally. Um, and Stevie does it justice. And then some for sure. Stevie's version of little wing is by far better than Jimmy's, but mm-hmm. Jimmy wrote it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, as, as someone who tried really hard to, you know, play guitar and be good at it, but never really was like, I spent so much time trying to learn how to play this song well. Um, and I just, yeah, I was thinking about like how to compare it. And even now, like when I go see bands and like somebody does like crazy ripping blues guitar solos and stuff, like I'm kind of like, eh, you know, whatever, like it's been done before. Not like cool. You can play guitar, have a sheet, write a good song. Um, which isn't fair, but you know, that's just kind of sometimes how I take it. But I, I seen that video and watching him play and hearing him rip those notes takes me so back to like being 12 and like the way that, you know, like a, a five-year-old is, a, becomes obsessed with like Tonka trucks or whatever. Yeah. And like, that's all they care about, want to do and, and whatever, uh, for like a 12 year old kid, like sees a Jimi Hendrix guitar solo or a, uh, you know, Steve Ray Vaughan guitar solo or this song in particular. And like your mind just explodes and yeah. like all of a sudden all you want to do. And I mean, I can only imagine now for kids that have YouTube and you I can mean, just see Cause shit. you had to imagine <laughs> half of that. Right. I mean, you listen to it's it. It's wild. You're like, what, what did that look like? I mean, yeah. But I mean, my, I mean, like uh, my dad was like, well, we got to watch the Woodstock film. We got to, you know, I got the live at Montreux DVD. Mm-hmm. I got the, um, you know, Hendrix at, Isle of Wight and man, I studied these songs. I loved them so much and I tried so hard. I bought a wah pedal specifically to yeah. play the intro on this and <laughs> trying to do it on every other song. But you know, it's just, it just really takes me back to like being a 12 year old kid and thinking that like this was the greatest music of all time. And like, how can I play like that? Yeah. And I remember like, um, jamming along probably, maybe even to this Stevie Ray at this song, uh, when I was living out in California, um, I had like a roommate who he was like, I was in California interning to, um, at a record label and 
I have gotten like a sublease through um, UCLA, some UCLA kid, uh, and it was a one-bedroom apartment in on Kelton Street in um, what's it called uh, Westwood. And uh, in order to afford it, like I had to get a second roommate, and so my other roommate lived in the living room, and I lived in the room. And uh, his name was Ben Cream, and he was uh, like an investment banker. So we were like totally opposite ends, but he w- he was a cool dude. Uh, at the time, I wasn't drinking. I remember like I would I didn't bring a lot when I moved out there, but I did bring my guitar and like my shitty little like crate amp or something. Um, and I would play a lot like when I was there, because yeah, I didn't really know anybody there, and so I sometimes would get bored and would just like at home playing in my apartment and like almost got kicked out of the apartment multiple times for playing too loud which is ridiculous because it was like a crate 40 watt amp but uh, (laughs) but I remember like I played the song so many times in that apartment and one day like I mean you know that feeling when you're practicing by yourself but it's idiotic especially uh you know I think I was like 18 or something and he's just like, man, I really fucking nailed that solo yeah. playing to myself with headphones. Like, yeah. it's so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I remember my roommate came in and was like, dude, that sounded really good. I was like, oh, thanks, man. He's like, do you want a beer? And I was like, sure. It was my first, yeah. my first That's full awesome. beer. Wow. Was after That's I killed that solo. And it was a Who Garden beer. And we became best buds for like the next, the last like three weeks of living together before I had to come back to Austin. But this song, man, it just, it does it to me. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, we're lucky. We're lucky to get to, to hear it like that. I mean, I, um, it's funny because it, what you, what you remember about things, you yeah. know, it's really interesting too. So, I mean, I won't stray too far, but no, I, please. I got to go, I got to go. Uh, there are no boundaries on memory tracks. I mean, yeah. I, so I saw, um, Gary Clark Jr. play the ACL taping. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he did third stone from the sun, yes. little bits uh-huh. of it. And, you know, same kind of thing. Like, you know, you watch that guy and you're like, you know, the man just knows, right. <laughs> like, you know, what, to, it, it's not just playing it. It's mm-hmm. like feeling it, showing it. I mean, like yeah. total mastery, you yeah. know, at the end of the day. And it was, same it's just that thing. extension. Yeah. Um, I, I remember specifically with Stevie, like in the Montrez video, he does the thing where he's like, you know, he always had a lot of gimmicks and stuff, just like Hendrix. Yeah. Um, and, you know, tw- when a 12-year-old sees a guitar gimmick, then it's like, holy shit. Yeah. Did he <laughs> but he did that? the thing where he would be like soloing and he had like a certain type of strap lock that he would like flip the strap lock off, fling the guitar like behind his back, reattach the strap lock and then keep playing it behind his back. And I remember like, yeah. God, how did he do that? And I figured out what the specific strap lock was that I needed to install on my guitar and did it and played like some talent show and like did that stunt. <laughs> thought I was so cool. Yeah. So <laughs> dumb. So dumb. But um, incredible. And he makes it look so effortless and badass. Like, yeah. God. Well, well that, that particular, so I, I, again, I, I mean, I'm sure you can get everything now via streaming, but like, you know, for a long time, that particular thing was only available on VHS. They probably went to DVD with it. Um, but beginning to end, I mean, you know, you can sit there for, you know, 75 minutes or whatever yeah. it is and, and just like be like, wow. And, right. you know, I think the other thing too is it's three, it's three people, right? Yeah. So you got double troubles in there too, right? So, yeah. I mean, you know, you look at what you can do with just a three piece. Yeah. It's powerful. It's powerful stuff. So Tommy Shannon and... Uh, it's the drummer's name. Oh my God, Chris Martin. That's right. Yeah. Not to be confused with <laughs> Cold Cold <Play>. <laughs> I saw Double Trouble play once with like uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd at Anton's really? and uh, Hubert. Oh, I get the names wrong. Oh no, Pine Top Perkins and Hubert Sumlin oh. played. Who Pine Top? I think Hubert is like Helen Wolf's old <laughs> lead guitarist, and Pine Top played harmonica. Uh, for like everyone, he was like he's like the image logo icon for the oh. Antones brand, um, but it was one of my favorite shows of all time. And Tommy Shannon played nice. bass, and Chris Martin on drums. It's fucking cool show. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, man, to be a blues nerd again. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes you got to revisit it, right? I know. So. It, I mean, it you know it it still hits when it hits yeah. in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. It's funny, like Gary Clark obviously is like really done well with that. Um, 
And you always, there's always like a new guy that everyone's like, that's the next blues yeah. man and stuff. It's good to see that it's still alive. It keeps the kids. Yeah. Keeps the kids in too. You know what? Yeah. Cause it's easier to learn. It's hard to master. Yeah. And I feel like that's, it's almost like the gateway drug to you, to music, right? Like well, if you could play blues, you know, just patterns and jam over it and you know you and a couple people then you start if if you really love it then you start to just kind of build on that well and it's definitely a genre that respects its elders and Mm -hmm. like if you ever find yourself becoming a fan of the blues then you inevitably go down like a path where you're like oh there's all these people that i need to know and understand and love and yeah and hear their stories and i think that's that's really cool and powerful and it's a testament to why Blues will always be here. Yeah. It will always be around. Yeah. It will never be as important as what it was, but um, it'll always be a backbone for sure for yeah. music and kids trying to learn how to play guitar when they're twelve and failing miserably at it, like yeah. I did. But little little wins, <laughs> right? You have the little wins. <laughs> so fun, so fun. Okay, I, I had a couple of notes that I wanted to come back to. Sure. Um, unless you had more you wanted to add on that song. No. But you mentioned when we were talking about how you lost the pretty in pink record you mentioned that you had a lot i'm very curious because i think your your taste is kind of uh it's a lot of different spaces so i'd love to hear what some of your most regretted records that you left behind so um so a lot of them frankly um i don't know where they went so um so my dad passed away about 20 years ago Mm -hmm. so you know i mean he had a lot of records i have a lot of records and i haven't lived in michigan in a long time yeah uh and so um so the Stevie Wonder 45, don't know where it's at. Oh. Um, I had a, um, you know, which is, it's it's more current, I guess, but it's something that I, when I saw it, I'm like, I had to have that. And I, it's probably in like the special place that I was like, no one's going to mess with this, but then I can't remember where it is. Yeah. But I had um, uh, Smashing Pumpkin Siamese Dream on like this marbled purple vinyl double album, like, uh-huh. you know, real deal heavy you know yeah. solid thing and and that was kind of coupled with my um you know everybody's kind of got their music like you know you listen to it on a walkman or mm-hmm. an ipod or whatever and yeah. so so the first album i ever listened to on a real receiver with big ass speakers that had an <laughs> amp and like i could turn it up crazy loud was that and so Cherub Rock I think is the first yeah, uh, first song on that album and so it was just like <laughs> you know and and I had these these speakers you know like twelve inch woofer and like yeah. you know, two hundred so watt amp or something so it was everything was just <laughs> sick and um, and so my mom moved to Austin uh, I don't know five years ago or something like that and she has my record case hmm. I mean I, I have you know the things that are in there my my dad's um, let it be is in there and I've oh, got cool, like Jackson yeah. Brown, the pretender and yeah. like, you know, kind of these older, um, I don't have any of the Fleetwood Mac, which she listened to a lot and yeah. stuff, but, um, I'm like, where did it go? Where did it go? You yeah. know what I mean? At what like, point, I mean, like, did somebody walk off with it? Did it just end up in a box? Clean yeah. it out? Yeah. Yeah. So, and so same thing, pretty in pink. I mean, you know, bought it on vinyl, remember buying it at the store, taking off the cell yeah. wrapper, being psyched to, right, to right. put it on. And so, yeah, I just, I don't know if like in the move, or just over time, you know, I took it to a friend, we listened off, to it, left yeah. it there. In fact, I just, I can't remember the title, but I read it. Um, it's Eric Spitznagel wrote it. It's like old records. Like he basically, it's it's a, it's a book uh, where he had a bunch of records mm-hmm. and literally like documented this whole journey where he tried to find like, you know, the records that he lost. Yeah. And um, I'll get you the title of it. Yeah, it was, it was a, it's that. a, yeah, page turner, kind of interesting read, but same kind of thing. You know, there's like five or six kind of pivotal right. moments, right? Where he's like, I sold that record, but it, <laughs> the, the place I sold it, there's a very small, yeah, small you know, place it could have gone, yeah. you know? So he literally right. was like hunting down Trying to records. find the exact one. Wow. So you never know. Maybe I'll find it. Maybe. I hope so. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like you had a good collection, and yeah. and you've salvaged a lot of that too. So yeah, it's it's good that you didn't lose all of it. Yeah, for sure. But and I still have the the Spider Man and the Superman album. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Does yeah. Matthew listen to this? Um, no, because it's funny. Um, I, actually, we don't actually have a turntable at the house. What? Which is crazy. And it's like those Crosley ones. I'm like, it's so easy to so buy easy. something yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so you should. Maybe, uh, I don't know, have you done all your Christmas shopping? Or 
For myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I'll get one of those. Totally. I think, yeah, part of it too, I mean, I don't know, uh, Texas, it's, it's strange because you don't really have them, but um, I grew up with a lot of basements. Mm, yeah. You know, and if you could just you get a basement, and turn you it can, up and you're not bothering anybody. Yeah, so yeah. it's a little harder when, yeah. you know, smaller spaces. Yeah, well, as long as you're playing good music, that's right. Yours. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Charlie, I'm really happy you came on. I feel like this is a lot of fun. It's Tons good of to fun. get to know you more and hear some, some stories from you. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. And what a way to close out the year, maybe. But number 40 is a big number, and um, thanks, everybody, for sticking with me through all of it. Hopefully, you know, 40 more over the next year, and we'll see what happens. Till next time, Memory Tracks. Bye.